When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I think these guys get each other going. Mackey and Judd. It's a good group of guys. They're just waiting for everything to kind of click again and come back together. On 1500 ESPN. All right, I don't mean I don't mean to be the guy who keeps going back to the things that you and Collar talked about yesterday, but there's a lot of interesting things for as dead of a time period as this is in the sports world. There's some interesting things to dive into here and to react to. Uh, did you? Was it yesterday that you guys played the Colin Cowherd yes, Vikings opinion? Yes. All right, because, well, let's play this again. It's like 40 seconds. I think it's Vikings fans probably hear this, and because you've got the emotional attachment and the thought that the team is, like, you're going to progress from where you were last year potentially or get back. Like, it's, if someone comes in and says, no, the Vikings are going to be the team that takes a step back, your initial knee-jerk reaction is, <laughs> whoa, whoa. Right. No. No way, right? Mm-hmm. I don't really disagree with anything he says here. Let's let's play it again and then I got a couple thoughts and we can kick this around. Let me take the team everybody loves. The 13 and 3 Vikings. They're not going to be 13 and 3. And you can send me hate mail, but let me give you a couple reasons. Aaron Rodgers, you played the Packers twice. He was healthy for a quarter. Now I know you want to give yourself credit you knocked him out, but you're not going to knock him out again. You essentially didn't face Aaron Rodgers last year. Now you're going to face him twice. It's true. Uh, by the way, um, you played the dysfunctional AFC North out of conference, and the only good team in that division, Pittsburgh, beat you. Um, your biggest win was called a miracle. <laughs> okay, I just, just want you to go back last year. Your big win, you shouldn't have won. They called it the Minnesota Miracle. That's not me being a jerk. That is the reality of what that was. <laughs> he is being a bit of a jerk. But I, I said this. I don't disagree with anything that he brought up, and I think he's accurate. Yeah. I mean, the Saints win didn't come in the season, so it, it's not part of the 13, which we pointed out. Yeah. But there's nothing, there's nothing he says in that soundbite that is inflammatory. It's pretty well thought out. So I'm going to say two things. Number one, I'm going to preface it by saying I think they're a playoff team, and I think they have a chance to win the Super Bowl. So whenever, and we could even do uh, if we want to do predictions before training camp, and like we'll we'll do predictions three times, I'm sure before the season. If I had to go on the record right now, pick the six playoff teams. I don't know if I'd pick them for sure to win the division, but I think they're going to win ten or eleven games and get to the playoffs. So we go through the schedule again. One I mean, through sixteen, right I mean, now we, we could we could do that today. <laughs> Win, we loss, could do this today. Loss. Um, so I, that's what I think. But I, it, it's really easy to play devil's advocate and do what Cowherd just did on his show yesterday, 
if you're frame it this way, if your emotions weren't attached to this team, if you're a Vikings fan out there, and we were talking about some other playoff team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, or the Kansas City Chiefs, or another team that wasn't on that Patriots level or that Eagles level, as the Vikings found out, but in that second tier of like five or six teams, you could you could play this game with all of those teams and 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 pretty logically conclude that, yeah, there's going to be like four or five or six teams that jump out of the playoff mix from last year, and whether it's tougher schedule or different circumstances, and and you would put the Vikings in that same mix, right, for all the reasons he said. And your conference is incredibly tough. It's a great it's, quarterbacks, yep. really good teams. Yep. In fact, of the 16 teams in the NFC, you could make a very strong playoff case for like 13 of them, maybe even 14 if you think the Bears' defense is good. You, But you could, let's take away the Bears, the Bucks. And I mean, maybe it's fourteen. You could you could make a strong playoff Car- case for like fourteen teams. Cardinals, Cardinals, maybe not. But anyway, yeah. the the thing with what he said though, where I think he's accurate, and I don't think the Vikings care is this: this team is not was is not built, not designed to win thirteen or fourteen games and then flame out. This team is built to make the playoffs, and then and then what this team is really built for is a Super Bowl run. The Super Bowl is the end goal here. Mm-hmm. So if that means 11 wins, you know what? That's fine. If that means a wild card, that's fine. So the the Vikings, this Vikings team did not add the piece of Cousins with the hope of saying, I hope we can win 13 or 14 games. That would be nice. But that signing was done with, we need final key components to make the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it's fair to say, and you've seen this a few times, I think it was the year after the Steelers went 15-1 and with rookie Big Ben. That, so then they got beat in the playoffs, and I believe it was the year after that they went like eleven and five or something, and then did they win the Super Bowl? So that that they type played of in thing, Detroit, right? Against yeah. Seattle, yeah. Yep, that type of thing happens all the time. So would I bet the Vikings to get to thirteen wins again? Absolutely not. There's almost no. Think about how crazy good they'd have to be with a tougher schedule and this NFC and Aaron Rodgers twice. That the point he made about Rodgers is accurate. The He's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You're going to have to face him twice this year. And players on your defense are probably going to get hurt this year. So I think it's okay to say, I'm taking the under if if you're setting it at 12 and a half. But I'm still taking playoffs, and I still think they can win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think, I think all, that's I think all incredibly of those, fair. All of those things are, they could win 10 or 11 games. They could be the five seed. Maybe they have to pull, maybe their road is longer or something. Winning the division and getting a bye would really help, obviously. Um, but that's going to be tougher. The other factor here, too, that he didn't mention, we just played the, the cowherd anti-Vikings thing, is, and I don't know, it, it's 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 historical for the Vikings and also for teams that get beat that badly in the NFC Championship game. When you lose like that, whether it's the Vikings going back to 1998 into 99 or 2000 to 2001, 09 uh, into 2010, the next year is always a letdown for them. Always. And for teams that get beat by at least three touchdowns in the NFC Championship game, where you get to that point and you're ready to go to the Super Bowl and then you just get clobbered by somebody. We looked back several months ago at the last four or five teams to get beat in that fashion in the NFC Championship game. All of them missed the playoffs the next year. Mm-hmm. All of them did. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's something about getting that far in the NFL and getting beat like that. And that's why I'm happy that they refreshed their roster. Okay, new quarterback, new coordinator, uh, there, there was there was a few reset buttons in there that made sense. They brought in a couple other players. Richardson on defense, absolutely. Exactly. Yes. Yep. Yeah. No. They they. I think 
what they did astutely was was they examined the the roster and unlike the 2009 to 10 team they didn't say that was a really nice team good team let's bring that that entire team back they made some key changes mm-hmm. uh the pressure on this team is going to be immense now it should be but if coward's right that's absolutely fine you win 10 games the only the, your only goal i think with this schedule is you make the playoffs and then and then Things need to be different. It might be too that w- with this many competitive teams in the NFC, it might be that there are no thirteen and three teams. It might be that eleven sure. and five and twelve and four are the top records, and everything is kind of mashed between seven and nine and eleven and five. And so at the end of the season, it's going to look like oh, there's no elite teams in the NFC. There's just a lot of mediocrity, or there's just a lot of really competitive teams in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it's going to be interesting to see the record between the AFC NFC crossover games. I'll bet the NFC dominates the crossover record. Obviously, Steelers and Patriots, there's a few teams in the yeah. in the AFC West and Patriots that are going to be really competitive. But the other three teams, I mean, there's a whole division. Unless you really believe in Blake Bortles and Jacksonville and, and oh, that'd busted be a big, up that'd Andrew be a big Luck, time. No, there's a there's a mediocre division in the yeah. AFC, and then there's three other teams that don't belong in the playoff conversation in the Patriots division. And the NFC, there might be two teams or maybe three that you would say, oh, that's not a playoff team. I think Coward laid out a very, very fair path of, of things. And and he's also right about the Packers. The Packers mm-hmm. are going to, I think your your realistic goal this year should be to split those games. And that's going to be it. The Bears, I think, are going to be improved. Mm-hmm. Detroit, I can't tell. But the point being is there's nothing that Coward said that if you if you really listen to it and don't get defensive is unfair. It's accurate. And I keep saying this. That's all fine. Because what you've done is you've tweaked your roster and you've made significant moves at key positions so that when, when you get to the playoffs now, things are going things should be different this time around and you don't go to the NFC title game and get waxed. Well, so here's here's an example of just how wide open the NFL and the NFC are. So numberfire.com is one of the top projection and analytics websites, and we reference this on the show from time to time. They've got percentage chance for each team. They've simulated the season however many times with the current rosters, and they've got percentage chance for each team to win the Super Bowl and to make the playoffs and then projected records. Now, just for some background here, they tend to project everything a little bit conservatively. Like the top teams are 10 or 11 wins, and the worst teams tend to be 6 to 7 wins. So everything's kind of scrunched in. Mm-hmm. But they give the Vikings the third best chance to win the Super Bowl behind the Eagles and the Patriots. And they give the Vikings only a 63% chance to make the playoffs. Interesting. So that tells you just how scrunched up everything is. They're saying... Yeah, the Vikings miss the playoffs one in three, but win the Super Bowl right. the third, and their and their Super Bowl winning chances are like uh, eight or nine percent, and they got Eagles only at ten percent, Patriots at nine point eight percent. Wow, they're they're telling you there's five or six teams, probably seven teams, because they put the Jaguars at at seven, and that's here. probably close to being right. Actually, their, their sleeper team is the Chargers. The Chargers have a good roster. Chargers, they were yeah. hot last year. Yes, they are. So that's your guy. So I think again, it's fair to say what what and he dressed it up and and it was a little bit ranty and it was a little bit like he took the Minnesota miracle shot, but nothing he said is wrong. They're probably not going to go thirteen and three. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do have to contend with Aaron Rodgers twice, and it's going to be much harder to duplicate last season. They could still win the Super Bowl. So they absolutely could. Uh, Federer and uh, by the way, Anderson is not from Russia. We misread RSA 
RSA is, is it South Africa, Dave? Yeah, Republic of South Africa. Okay. Oops. Uh, remember that one match a few years ago where John Isner and his opponent went two days and like a hundred games in the fifth set of Wimbledon, this record? Andy Roddick had one years ago that I think may have been with Federer. Okay. That was another fifth set, like 14 to 12 yeah. that finally ended. Well, the one with Isner was like 71 to 70. It was some absurd thing. Yeah, that, I remember yeah. that. It was almost, it felt staged. Like, what do you guys, this is impossible. <laughs> but they are now 10-10 in the fifth set here. Federer against Anderson. Federer won the first two sets and then lost the second two, and now they're just going back and forth. What's going on with Raj here? I mean, he's, he's, he's being a, tested. He's old. I know yeah. he is in a big way. Yeah. Uh, Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. Do you agree or disagree with the thought that the Vikings are going to be one of those teams that drops out? Chime in if you want. 651-646-8255. Dan Hayes on Twins and Brian Murphy on Rafael Palmero later, too. Let's talk about Luther Brookdale. Try for just a second, though. It's on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. I was just in there last week for an oil change and tire rotation. And you can't get me out of that Luther Lounge. I just, uh, it, it's amazing now that the new facility has been around for a handful of years. And I, and my family and I used to go to the old place called Toyota City. It's like, like the Rays have renderings for a new stadium. It's like the difference between, uh, the Trop and whatever the new stadium is going to be or whatever the Oakland Coliseum would turn into if they built the new stadium where you had an old waiting room with like five seats and a vending machine and a box TV. And now it's play area for the kids. And complimentary snacks and drinks, not like alcoholic drinks, but, you know, coffee and tea and things like that. Um, Two massive 70-inch flat-screen TVs, workstations. It's comfort. It's peace of mind. All those things you get and some of the most durable vehicles in the world at Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Or you can stop by the website, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Thank you, Dave. I have a sports question for you guys. All right, we're watching Wimbledon right now and, and World Cup semifinals in less than two hours. And a lot of these World Cup matches have gone to extra time, which is 30 extra minutes after you've played 90 plus minutes and then PKs. So you're out there running around and, and there's you're not calling timeouts. You can take a little maybe respites when you're on the court but or on the uh, on the pitch. Mm-hmm. But you're running around several miles, and those players look like they're about to die after, especially after extra time, where you're just out there and you're cramping. Mm-hmm. And we're watching Federer and Anderson here in the Wimbledon quarterfinals. They're in the fifth set. There's no tiebreakers in the fifth set at Wimbledon, so it's eleven to ten right now. They've been playing for I don't know three a few hours. When did this start? I think this started at like seven o'clock. So they've been playing for like four hours. <laughs> yep. And I don't know, there's no end in sight if they keep every one of these serves is 120 miles an hour and they can't break each other's serves and they both look gassed. Which one of those are my, is there another sport after two or three or four hours in this case? What's the most exhausting? I think uh, to me, tennis. Because it's sprinting. Because, and you're also all alone. Like there's no. pressure on you in soccer. If well, soccer sprinting too, I guess. Yeah, but but if you watch if if you watch a match there, they run a ton. But there's times where you definitely see guys sort of slow down and slow it up. And if the ball's not near them, they sort of wait there. And I'm not saying they're not active, but they got an entire team. You spend five people, minutes flopping around, holding your pe- knee for a while, exactly. taking a break. Yeah, I think between between the fact that you're all alone here, the pressure's all on you. There's nobody to to take that pressure off 
and you are basically during the, the points constantly going. To me, it's tennis. You get I think the, tennis would completely drain you. You get the break every couple games where you can sit down, grab a glass of water, a banana or something, which helps. And But then soccer, you get halftime too. But I would say tennis too. I think it's more of a pounding. Soccer, obviously, you're doing a lot of running, a lot of cutting, but it's it's nothing like tennis. You're constantly, every single point, sprinting left, right, forward, back. And I mean, and your upper gra- body too, right? You're swinging yeah. your... Yeah, and grass is probably forgiving, but just think if you're doing it on a hard court or on oh. clay where you're sliding around too and constantly yeah. hitting the ground because you're slipping and falling. Oof. Yeah, the, it, it, and I got to think a guy like Federer. Not that he's not in elite, amazing shape, and he doesn't. He looks like he's very barely sweating. He's been playing for four hours, but yeah. I got to think a guy like him, much like myself, probably doesn't need to be going five sets and then twenty three games into the fifth set at that age too. Well, you got to do it. What, two days from now, too? Exactly. Soccer, you get four or five days off where these tennis players are going at maximum yeah. every other day, if not you know day after day. But there was, there was a, there's been a couple of these games in the World Cup that have gone to extra time, and I, I thought it was a 15-minute extra time, and then if someone scored in that 15 minutes, then they didn't no. do the second one. No, they do the no, second one no, regardless. No, they do the whole thing. And so it's just they do a 30-minute overtime. Wait, which, by the way, that's sort of a flaw, too. Sudden death. Come on, let's just end it. We well, call that, it golden goal in soccer, by the way. And let's just, but okay, they don't golden, have. So where do they have the golden, golden goal? goal? They they don't have the golden goal in the World Cup. Do we have it in MLS? I don't wait, know. I thought. That, wait, wait. I'm going to say something really stupid. Oh, the I Olympics. Did, I think they do it in the Olympics. Oh, maybe I thought they did in World Cup. They don't. No, they, they do don't extra. Golden, they do extra time in PKs. No, you play the full 30 minutes, 15 okay. each side. I thought there was one. My bad. Uh, Show so much World Cup yeah. you've been watching. Way to go, Judd. I thought. No, I don't know. I thought there was a golden goal at one time. I. I just I I go back to the fact though that in soccer, for as much as they run, you do see periods of time where guys can sort of slow up, and if they're not standing there, they're not they're not going full sprint. And tennis, you're just once it starts, you're just always going. Yeah, and and I would collapse and die. But the thing the thing about soccer too is think about after you've been so you get it's a forty five minute first half, let's say forty eight minutes on average because of the stoppage time, and you get done with the second forty eight minutes, and you're a striker. And they haven't subbed you out because you only get three subs and they subbed out two midfielders and they're saving the other one for an injury or something. And not only do you have to still be alert and you've, you've run several miles and you're out there, yeah. you're sweating, you're exhausted. You're not stopping like like baseball, basketball, and hockey. You're stopping at least every five or ten minutes of, of real time. Yeah. Um, maybe more like 10 or 15 minutes for baseball for water breaks and to sit down. You're out there on your feet. And your job as a striker in the 28th minute of extra time, and you've been out there for two hours on your feet, is to sprint your ass 100 yards. Well, think about the end of the Belgium-Germany game from a couple rounds, or I think it was the round of 16. And that wasn't extra time. That was just the end of the second half. Well, they scored at the end. And those guys are full-on sprint at the end of 90-plus minutes. Yep. And they score a goal with 20 seconds to go. Oh, yeah. I'm I just not, think, I'm I just not think it's amazing. It's Actually, you know what? No. The toughest sport, I'll t- tell you guys. The Shooting toughest sport, a basketball. No, the toughest sport is this. <laughs> Cubs twins. A couple weeks ago, it was really hot, and they shouldn't have allowed those <laughs> oh, players. Yeah. How could they allow those players at Wrigley Field to keep playing? We oh. could have had death on the baseball field. Poor Eddie Rosario cramped up, and he was at, that was unfair. By the way, that was uh, toughest sport of all time. Uh, Anderson, this Kevin Anderson, just broke Roger Federer's serve in the 23rd game, and he'll be serving for the win now to knock out the greatest tennis player of all time. He looks like the type of guy that that would, would have been cast in an '80s college or high school film. Which one, Federer or Kevin a, no, Anderson? No, the uh, the uh, uh, not 
Raj, the other guy. He looks like the type of guy who would have been cast in a 1980s film as the as the bad guy, the cocky kid. He's got that look to him. Yeah. The cocky kid. Yes, the cocky kid. Or yep. like, yeah, like uh, yeah, Johnny Or He looks a little bit like, uh, what's his name? Spader. Uh, James Spader. James Spader, he does. Doesn't James Spader that guy in like five different 80s movies? Oh, yeah. Yeah, him and the coked out, him and the guy whiskey in high school. Him and, and the guy now who I think has reprised his role in the Karate Kid. Yeah, that guy, that blonde haired guy, had that role in a ton of films. Yeah, and I've only watched the first two episodes because you have to pay like ten or fifteen bucks a month for the YouTube channel. And it's like at this point, I got to make a decision. This is a a me situation, but like the cord cutting thing with all these platforms. Now that you can subscribe to all these platforms, but if you're already paying a bunch of money for cable and also for all these channels, but I watched the first two episodes for free of that new Karate Kid series. Yep. It's awesome. And I want to watch <laughs> really? the other eight. It's really well done. You'd think, oh, it's just going to be stupid. and No, it's it's almost so that Danny LaRusso is the villain because he's got this car dealership and he's, you know, multimillionaire. And you're rooting for Johnny, this underdog who's got an anger issue still, but he's trying to get his life together. You're, you're almost rooting oh, for Johnny so in the series. So they flip the script a little bit for a the fans. Bit. Yeah. Oh, Wow. Okay. The old double, uh, double turn. So you wait, wait, wait. So you you are considering cutting the cord and getting more stuff like that, or or not buying that because you you're not going to cut the well, cord. Put it this way, like let's hear it like, through. If you had, you're paying what you pay 150 or 200 bucks a month for cable, especially if you get all these channels. Yeah. And let's say there's 300 plus channels that that are in the wheelhouse, or 400 channels. I'm only watching 20 of them. Yeah, me too. But I'm also watching Netflix and YouTube and uh-huh. these other platforms and HBO. Mm-hmm. Why do I have to pay for the seven Lifetime channels and the eight Hallmark channels that show Christmas movies all year? The a la carte argument. Like, can I just swap those out for YouTube? YouTube Red or whatever it's called? Someday. Or Netflix? You Some, know what I'm saying? Someday. Eventually, you probably can. But that's been discussed can, for 10 and years And obviously, now. you can do it now if you just go through, like, uh, Sling TV or something. But I can't cut the cord. I can't do it. Can't bring myself to do it. Why? A lot of friends have, but I can't do it. I just there's some there's a security blanket about going home and picking up the, the remote control and turning that sucker on, even for my twenty channels that I watch. Okay, but there's there's no difference. Well, this is gonna get into a TCL TV ad now, but there's literally no difference when you flip on a TV that has a, a Roku device that's just the, it's just laid out differently. You get your content platforms. I feel like it's an effort thing. Judd just doesn't want to make the call. Same reason you I think chose right. to rather go to the laundromat for a few months than call a plumber yeah. to fix the issue you I, had with the so washing machine. You'd rather spend several hundred more dollars. I feel like you're right. A month on laundromat and cable, knowing that it's it's just like the easiest option for you. If he calls yeah. the cable guy, then they're going to try to talk him into not canceling. It's, and not, five set you up with this package. Sure. it's not. It's not e- even that. It's uh. It's uh. I'm lazy. <laughs> and also, damn it! There's something so great about the old cable and the laundromat too. I, I just I can't. Bring, I can't bring myself. Great about the laundromat. I love the laundromat. I told you why I love the laundromat. Great people watching, and you can sit there and relax, and no one bothers you. Well, I, th- I feel like you think cut the cord means you don't get to watch any of those channels anymore. That's no. not what cut the cord means. No, I know. Cut but the it, cord means find a cheaper way to watch those channels. I know, but how much work is that go- going to take? How much work oh, do I? How much work? There no, it is. Right. no, I no, I did. did. I argue with you at all? <laughs> I said you were right. But how much work am I going to have to do now if I do that to try and get all my channels back? Well, NHL Network, Cinemax, MLB, Cinemax 2. 
No, I gave up on Cinemax that stuff. Cinemax after long dark. Time. Uh, that's Roycey. I gave up on that stuff a long time ago. <laughs> minimal effort, minimal results. The Judd's all got away. <laughs> the Emmanuel series, by the way, was fantastic back in the day. <laughs> Emmanuel, fantastic series. Dan Hayes on Twins when we come back. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. We'll be back in the game before you know it. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey. Poke it out of the bunker, two putt for a 10. You lost the course. And then I lit myself on fire. Judd Zolgad. Am I just getting old and super cranky or old and sort of cranky? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd are talking twins. Now, with a man who's in the clubhouse covering the team every day. Beat writer for The Athletic, Dan Hayes. Courtesy of Prime Mortgage Lending of Bloomington. Home is where your story begins. Thank you. Palumbo around third, he's coming in. And the throw over the cutoff man, and Maurer beats Maurer. Well, Dan Hayes started this from The Athletic a couple weeks ago. We, uh, we've got several different Maurer to the Yankees hashtags going on Twitter right now. And, uh, Dan, this is what it would sound like if, if John Sterling were calling a, a Joe Maurer key at bat late in the season. It is high, it is far, it is gone! A home run! It's Mauer! It's happy hour! Oh, Joe, pour him a glass of Morlo! And the Yankees take a 6 1 lead! That's pretty good. That, that's amazing. How about that, David Harrigan? Woo! Uh, it makes it makes some. I, I feel like I don't know. Der, Derek Wetmore had a piece for our website yesterday talking to Thad Levine and and um, this idea that the Yankees need a first baseman. Hey, I think teams should call on Joe if they're looking for Gold Glove defense and if they're looking for uh, I don't know a couple uh, on base percentage points. It makes some sense for teams. Absolutely. Could you imagine him in that lineup? I mean, it's already a deep lineup. It's already a painful lineup for pitchers to go through and to throw in a guy that can just stand there and take a great at bat and, and is going to, you know, single W to death and, and hit screamers to the opposite uh, field. I mean, that would be potentially, man, that would be so scary for an uh, opposing pitcher to have him added to Stanton and Judge and, you know, Glaber Torres and everybody that they have. It, it would be a, a pretty incredible group. And, uh, of course, I mean, if I am Brian Cashman, I'm on the phone. Um, even if it's not, you know, I mean, even if it's not worth my time, it's worth my time to make a call and check. And I, I, teams do that. I mean, everybody checks on everybody, regardless of the situation. But there are seriously, obviously, complications with this because it's up to the player, and and whether or not the player wants to consider it is uh, is the big question. And Dan, what's your sense about that? Because if this was if this was the beginning of the year. I could see it being a problem. And if this was uh, Joe having a, a couple of years left on his contract and he okayed the trade and then and then in his mind got stuck there next year, I could see that, that being a problem. But the conversation is pretty simple, which is we're going nowhere, Joe. You've got a chance to go t- to a team, win a ring for, for, uh, for the first time, and then possibly come back here or certainly make a decision about your career after that. And you'd essentially be gone for two months. So... Do you think that Joe definitely says no or because of the circumstances that there might be a temptation to say, let's try this? Well, I mean, I, I wonder the Justin Morneau situation is fresh in his mind. I mean, Justin Morneau probably would have loved to have finished his career here and didn't get that opportunity and, and was traded, and it was a tough trade. and It was tough for the organization, uh, fans, to see him leave and go uh, 
you know, elsewhere. And I, I think with uh, that might play into this. I mean, guys would love to. You you just don't see it anymore. Guys who stay their entire career. And I know that you can still ask Paul Motter and, and 15 years with the Brewers was great, and he went on to win, and it worked out very well for him um, with the Blue Jays. I'm sure he would have absolutely loved to have finished his career in Milwaukee and, and stayed there the whole way. And that stuff does matter because it's so rare. And I know that Maurer probably senses that part. And, and so to have only Minnesota on that line the whole time, I think it matters more to him than maybe it matters to other guys um, just because it's been so long. And, and he knows he's probably got a couple of years left. So I think that factors in a lot. And, and he's comfortable here. And, but at the same time, man, it'd be a great situation. I mean, it's, it's such a tricky proposition, basically. And, and, and so that's why it's intriguing. And yet I don't know how realistic it is. Dan Hayes from The Athletic. Go find his twin stuff on theathletic.com. What, which Twins players are you the most sure get traded here in the next few weeks? Um, it just seems like Dozier. Um, there's too much of his name out there, and it's been out there. And him being a second baseman, you look at Milwaukee, They were they, the, the fans loved chanting Orf, Orf, Orf last week for the kid they have. Uh, but I think that's more just uh, the fans having fun with it. Um, I think they'd love to have Brian Dozier there. The Dodgers have been mentioned. You know, the Red Sox are up against the luxury tax, so the Twins would have to eat salary and, and help out. Um, but there's just too many intriguing teams that think they're going to be there. And this isn't the teams that are wishy-washy. These are the teams that feel very confident they're going to be there in October. And, and he's a great piece to add to that, even if he is having a down year. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's still got 14 home runs, even in a down year. So, he's still going to provide you one asset, and his defense has been very good. Um, and when you can throw those two things together, I think that makes him a guy. I think that Lance Lynn would go somewhere because teams that are looking for depth, um, the Angels, the Mariners, you know, they don't have great – the Angels have a pretty decent farm system. The Mariners have nothing in their farm system. But, you know, you can put him to them, give up the cash, uh, get, you know, a, a low minor league guy who maybe has some upside back. And, and really, that makes sense. I mean, I, it's, he's a guy that was going to come in here for a year. That's it. And, and I don't know that they're expecting him to get a big uh, – they're not going to offer him the qualifying offer is my imagination. And I don't think they expect him to get a $50 million payday where, where the qualifying offer actually makes sense to give it out because you only get the high pick if somebody gets your free agent $50 million or more. You get – like with, the Cardinals got a third-round pick for Lance Lynn because he only signed a one-year $12 million deal. So – it's, the compensation isn't very great, and it's a high risk. The guy might take a one-year, $18 million offer. So mm-hmm. I expect Lance Lynn to be gone. I think Escobar is intriguing to a lot of teams. He plays everywhere. He's a doubles machine. He's aggressive. Um, you know, He's a guy that is beloved in the clubhouse. So those three, I think, are, are pretty certain. But I would say Zach Duke is my odds-on favorite to be the most because he's a left-handed pitcher. Dan, if the Twins were to make a, a surprise trade that involved a player that we don't see coming, who would be the most likely candidate to be that player, do you think? Uh, let's say Kyle Gibson. Um, swing and misses up. He's got a year and a half of team control left. Um, he might be somebody that teams look at and go, yeah, okay, we, we like what he's done, and we think we can make that work. That's, that's my surprise guy just because he's been so much better. I was, I was trying to think if they would think about a Rosario they would definitely not with Barrios. I mean, that's, that's hands off, obviously. Um, they obviously think that they have some young outfielders, and so maybe would they entertain Rosario, and I just don't see it because 
there's more in there, and they're finding out what that is. Um, maybe Max Kepler. He's got, you know, a lot of teams love what his potential is, and that doesn't have to necessarily be a contender that trades for him. You know, that could be a team that's just looking for a young outfielder. When the White Sox were uh, doing this, they were looking to add players currently and and down the road. And, and so, you know, who knows if somebody wanted to jump up and grab him um, when he hasn't reached his full potential. But I think the, the Twins are kind of wary of that, too. So, yeah, Gibson is probably the most established, and he's having a great season. Um, and the swing and miss is up, and that, that really probably rises, makes his stock rise a little bit. Gibson's a really interesting one because he's 30 years old. If you don't think he's going to be around for, let's say, a three- to five-year window, this would be a really valuable time period for him, right? Because you could, some team would trade for him down the stretch and for all of next year, like you said. So don't you have to make the decision where if, if there's teams biting on him right now and his value is not going to be higher and you don't think he's going to be part of your future from ages 31 through 35, then you should pull the trigger. I mean, it's it definitely something that will cross their mind. I mean, they've said they're ready to make an unpopular decision um, if, if that's the case. And I don't necessarily know that that would be an unpopular decision. I know that He's been a guy that fans love and love to hate also uh, just because he's been so frustrating over the years. But he's finally found something. It's really it's been very intriguing. Um, I mean, he picked it up last year, and you could see it toward the end of last year, and he's really carried it over to this season. And, and you're right. I mean, he is, he is 30, but, and, and, he, and he has that extra year. He's, he's not just a rental. So you're going to get a better asset back for him. So, I mean, absolutely you have to. The only problem is is – They've finally got to this period where they have a lot more swing and miss in their uh, rotation. It's been that they've always been kind of lacking, and and he's sort of one of the leaders of that. And so then you have to start all over again if you do, and you're going to need some more of that because it's very beneficial to have guys that miss bats. Hey, Dan, can can Dozier please quit talking about how this could be a repeat of last year? I saw those quotes again. This is, and, and I get that, that, uh, that the executives don't care about that, but this whole no- notion that, you know, it's a long year. No, no, for the most part, this team has failed and it's been a disappointment. And I get that. And they're going to, to trade guys, but this whole notion of, Oh, come on, give us more time because it, it worked in 2017 is simply not going to be true. I mean, it's not even going to come close. You're beating up on the Orioles and the Royals. Forgive me for being pessimistic about those wins. I mean, absolutely, but you can't fault guys for saying that kind of stuff because their job is to go out and win. And and I don't think that it would stand or sit well if uh, Paul Mauder saw quotes coming out of his clubhouse saying, well, yeah, we suck, time to pack it in. Um, so I, I think Dozier's playing his role of just staying upbeat and optimistic, and, and that's that's what he has to do. Uh, it's just it's his job to be a professional and to continue to play on. Um, even when it isn't working, but you're right. I mean, you know, they, the, the crazy part is, is that he's not the only one yesterday. Uh, I think, uh, Bobby Wilson mentioned that a Texas team he was on, on August one was eight games back and won the division. So I, I'm, I'm hearing it from more than just a couple guys. They, they truly believe they look around that clubhouse that something could turn on and they could go for it. But then you have a game like last night where, you know, you've won five in a row, and then all of a sudden it's over. You know, it's over an inning and a half in, and, and there's been far too much of that. So the pessimism is, is warranted on our end, um, but I also understand why they have optimism because it's kind of what they're paid to do. Yeah. Um, 
Eddie Rosario, all-star snub. We'll see if he gets in with this uh, with this sort of bachelor yeah, campaign. Yeah, he's not getting in today. He won't get in with the final vote. <laughs> yeah, he's got to get a an injury invite. Um, it was it was more than deserving. It was a good effort by the Twins marketing department, and he got to meet uh, Becca, the Bachelorette, too. So, but I, I think I mean, what are your thoughts on this whole? Every team represented in the All Star Game. I mean, Salvador Perez has a two fifty four on base percentage. J A Happ is a thirty five year old, just sort of also ran guy with a four and a half ERA. Joe Jimenez is having a good season for the Tigers, but his ERA is fifty eighth among relievers. And these guys are All Stars taking places from um, you know more noteworthy players. Are you pro or anti every team being represented? I there's part of me. There's the the purist that loves it, and and Paul Motter talked about yesterday just how it's great um, to see every jersey out there represented. There's that part that's cool. He also said that maybe we should expand the rosters a little bit to to make sure that every team has a representative, um, and and then you can not have then you can avoid the snubbed guys, still get everybody there. Doesn't mean they have to appear. You know, it, it's weird. I, I like the NBA where it's. There's no team limits. There's no one guy has to get in from every team. I, I think that's a – you're just getting the best players there. That's what I prefer. Um, I mean, then you don't have Andrelton Simmons sitting at home. He's a top-10 MVP guy last year. He's on a good team that has struggled to stay healthy but is still performing. You have Eddie Rosario, who's flat-out carried this team, deserves to be there. You know, there's a lot of guys like that. So I want to see the best players um, – Expand the rosters. That way, you can get these. These uh, everybody has a representative, and and yet you're not killing guys' chances because it, it does mean a whole lot to guys' careers to have that all star attached to them. But you talk to players about it and the confidence they gain out of it, and it's real. And and Eddie Rosario deserves to be an all star, and and he's not going to get there. And and you mentioned the uh, marketing department. I mean, the one thing I really liked about what they did was you're going up against Seattle, Los Angeles, New York, and Boston, which of course is the smallest of those markets, but obviously as a rabid fan base, they went and tried to tap into the non-baseball crowd by going with the bachelorette, by going with that. It's smart. It's Phil show. Puerto Rico. That was really brilliant. It's not going to work, but it was really (laughs) smart to, to try and get everybody else. Buznet's back today and, and Reed to the DL. Did I see that correctly earlier this morning? Yeah, and, and Reed said there's been some tightness and it hasn't responded. Hmm. Uh, the triceps area, and we've seen his fastball hitting 89, and I, I don't remember if there was an 88, but it's definitely been down. Um, and it's consistently been down. And, and, you know, I saw him at his peak when he was 93, 95. He's not that anymore, but he's been a guy that was 91, 92 and making it work. I mean, his first 26 innings, he had 27 strikeouts and a 2.36 ERA, and I know people are remembering some of those walk-off home runs he gave up, but he was in there every other day pitching well enough to keep this team in, and he had a a few bad moments, but the last 15 games, 9.40 ERA, and it's clear it's not working right now, so they're giving him 10 days to kind of cool it down and then start it up again, and it's a good move. People have been talking about it on the Internet for a while. that It would be a good move. I think they finally got to that point last night. Good luck to the Twins today against Birch Smith, who hasn't pitched in a major league game since 2013. Hasn't started a major league game since 2013 with the Padres. That'll be fun. Isn't it great? Isn't tank baseball great? It is the best. Really. Does he still have the long hair, too? The flowing locks? You are in the hey, midst. Last year, Chris Volstead pitched for the, and he's still pitching now, but Chris Volstead 
had pitched in AAA, hadn't pitched in the majors in like three years, came up for the White Sox at the end. He had been at home boarding up his brewery in Florida for the hurricane and wow. had been home for 10 days and got the call and came up and finished out the season. So. Amazing. You, sir, are in the midst of watching seven games of absolute dreck, and I'm being kind, between Baltimore and <laughs> Kansas City. Man, you are earning your salary this week. <laughs> I, I appreciate the uh, acknowledgement. Oh, it's bad. All right. Bye, Dan. See you, Dan. All right, guys. Dan Hayes from The Athletic. Yep. Yeah, it's, he's uh, right. Tank ba- Smith. Tank baseball. And Baltimore didn't even mean to tank. Before the season, you yeah, mean? Yeah, they, they had no intention of tanking. Yeah, they, just that they made bad. some moves in the offseason. I mean, they added uh, they added a couple pieces. You thought, yeah, oh, the Baltimore might tanking, have a chance. Right. Yeah. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studio. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. They live in the sewer. Yes, yeah. they do. Yes. And enjoy it. Yes. <laughs> they relish in yeah. it. Mackie and Judd. And the way they walk with their back end up in the air, that's yeah. just plain evil. <laughs> <laughs> it's just gross. On 1500 ESPN. Join past and present NHL players for a day of golf at the 2018 Minnesota NHL Alumni Classic, this year's event taking place this coming Monday, July 16th at White Eagle Golf Club in Hudson. In addition to a round of golf, each registration includes on-course food and beverages, dinner, player gifts, and more. You can find details and register. Just head to 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. Guys fired up? One oh, hour. England today, yes. England and Croatia, yep. semifinal. Yep. I'm rooting for England at this point. Oh, so am I. I'm over, you know, 300 years ago and they tried to prevent uh, us from becoming our own country. I'm, I've gotten over that at this point. We stuck it to them. We did. Yeah, yeah. we did. And this is sort that of... Cornwallis. Yep. <laughs> and this is sort of uh, Cubs-like. I mean, 1966, for that country not to have a World Cup title in that long. That's not Cubs. Cubs like is a hundred years. Okay. It's it's still an extended long time, and there have been some real bad choke jobs in there, too, for them. It's it's a little more Vikings-like than Cubs-like. The point being is I I am cheering for them because it's been a long time, and it's their sport. I feel like they are, I I almost, it feels a little Vikings-like in that, all these things always happen to us, and oh, here's this amazing turnaround in the PK portion where they've lost on penalty kicks and all these dramatic ways, and they finally exercise that demon, but there's still games left. Oh, and if this is. It feels, it feels like they're setting up for some colossal heartbreak. If this is truly Vikings like, then that colossal heartbreak comes today. It does. Because you, you don't get to the title game. You don't get. You get. You go to extra time today. And something goes very wrong. Oh no, no, no! You lose like eight to one. You, you <laughs> oh, score that wait, first wait. goal in the opening <laughs> minute. It's Harry Kane just a blast from twenty yards to the corner of the net, You're and all then fired you just up. get drilled I mean, after that. A couple own goals. It's four to one going into halftime, but you feel like okay, we still let's just get one early in the second half. We'll see what happens. <laughs> That's totally unfair. Let's recall the nineteen ninety eight and two thousand nine Vikings. Okay, the ultimate heartbreak comes when you're hanging in there. I'm not talking forty one donut or the Philadelphia game this season. Well, it's happened both ways. I right. think there could there could be a Croatia forty one donut here today, where you look at your opponent like the Vikings did and said, "Here we come. Okay. Come on, Croatia." I'm taking heartbreak. I'm taking late heartbreak. You're thinking extra time, yeah. Harry Kane PK in the ninety fifth minute tie game. He's just got to bury it for the win. He misses. Yes. Wow. We go to an extra yes. 30 minutes, and uh, Croatia gets a late goal for the win. Oh, my gosh. Yes, that's exactly what I'm thinking. 
Uh, and and all the people at Brits are just sobbing. Except for me, I'd just get a, a third or fourth beer. Yeah, you'd be fine. Or actually, third or fourth. <laughs> who am I kidding? That, that'd be seventh or eighth. Are you gonna, I think somebody emailed asking if you're going to head over there after the show. No, they asked if they could get in, and I said, I think you can because oh. of the time of the game. I believe it'll be packed, but I think that you have a fighting chance to get in as opposed to if it was Saturday afternoon, in which case my guess is that they would be at capacity by now. They've been showing them up on the lawn, too. Yeah. They've got the big screen up there. A lot of people can fit. Very, very true. Boy. Do Croatia fans show up? I know if there's... Like Colombian fans, it's a big Colombia bar too. Yeah, Brits, but if you're gonna rant, I don't know. There's a, a good, lot of like, Mexican fans that showed up during the the Mexico yeah. games. Yeah. Well, who who goes to Brits and and who goes to the what what's the other big soccer bar? The Nomad. The Is Nomad. That correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So who goes there? Because I'm sure that'll be packed as well for the you want names for the game. Well, no, I, no fan base. <laughs> there's yeah, the Tom, there's Tom from Tommy. Minnetonka. He loves it. There's Ted from Burnsville. He likes it. He, Chaucer loves it too. Chaucer, No, I'm I'm curious about fan bases. Like yeah, I'm what, not sure. Like like what fan base goes to the uh, as far as nomad. national fan bases? I'm not sure. I know that. Um, <laughs> Do we have a Croatian soccer bar anywhere in town? I'm sure there is somewhere. Uh, I feel like the Nomad might be a Tottenham bar. Isn't that where Chris Long goes to watch games? Yes, very much It'll so. be a Tottenham it's bar. It's definitely Tottenham. But uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of, of England Redcoat fans there at both at both bars. I actually watched one of the games at uh, Keegan's Irish Pub a few weeks ago. It wasn't quite as hopping as like Brits was, but I it was like Keegan's. pretty fun. It's a solid solid place to stop. It was, it was volume up, 9 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Everyone just flipping the bird to the English. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Cosgrove there. Ah, bleep Co- you guys. Cosgrove comes through. Can we count for for Cosgrove's whereabouts here? I mean, he's probably not. I, I don't think he has a horse in the race here today. But no, but he's, I'm sure it's in terms of festivities, he's self employed. So I'm, I'm sure he's drunk by now. Wouldn't you think? <laughs> I mean, the if tough you were self employed, would you be drunk at eleven o'clock every week? If I was a huge soccer fan, I would absolutely be <laughs> drunk right now. Yeah. Uh, Raphael Palmero's in town. Have we confirmed if he's playing or not today? Because he set out last night's game against the Saints with we have just like bilateral leg weakness. He's or got something. a sore knee and hamstring. Okay, he's fifty three years old. Give the guy a break. You know, it could help him recover faster. What's that? I think he should get on something. Get on something. Mm-hmm. Get to the big leagues. Go hit a couple bombs for two weeks. Get test positive. Flip the double birds. B twelve shot. Yeah, like you need a shot for B twelve. Um. Brian Murphy's going to join us next to uh, talk Raphael Palmero, Mackie and Judd. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. I swear it will be done. I swear it will be done. On 1500 ESPN.